Son, Jesus, his death, his burial, and his resurrection on our behalf. The only way to you is through Jesus, his shed blood. Thank you that he made that atoning sacrifice on our behalf. We celebrate him. about live like Jesus and who's in, right? In combination with our, our theme this year, everybody in, all in. You did a great job of bringing that together for us last week, so thank you very much, Elisha. We're going to head into Proverbs again today. We'll be in chapter 6, so if you want to open your Bibles, or tablets, your telephone, your memorization, whatever you've got going to get us there. So. How you doing on your Bible reading and your goals? Yeah, you're just 100 percent, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, me neither. <laughs> but we're working at it, right? So we're we're reading through the book of Proverbs again. So keep after that. You would be on chapter what today? You would be, but 22 would be the day. All right, a day, chapter a day. All right. So uh, yeah, if you got to six, you're doing great. We'll take that. Um, I have been way behind, and fortunately, I decided yesterday I'm going to catch up. So I listened to and read through chapters 1 through 22, because I needed to catch up a long ways. Um, so it took about an hour, but uh, I'm glad that I'm able to do that, so that uh, tonight I can go to chapter 22 and be caught up. That's a good thing, right? I read today, or yesterday this week, I read that about 30 to 35% of goal setters are now goal resters. <laughs> they, they've, they've kind of through discouragement or maybe lack of discipline have kind of fallen off and getting their goals done. Um, I haven't got all mine done. I'm sure maybe you haven't either, and that's all right. What do we do when we fall down? We just get back up. We just keep going. We start where we're at. We keep after. So whatever your goals are, your resolutions, uh, these things that are important to you that you need to work on that God has said to you, hey, this is something I want you to take take on. Go after it again. Start again. Get working on it. But I encourage you also to go through Proverbs and read that. The other day devotionals that you take on that's excellent, and you can do that. All right? If I could get my slides back on the uh, back screen, that'd be great. That would help me out to know where I'm going today. <laughs> that would help you out to know where I'm going too, right? All right, we've talked about this. We've given a definition, my definition of what a wise guy is or a wise gal. That is somebody who is a skilled or an expert at godly living. As we go through the book of Proverbs, as we think about wise guys and wise gal. It's just simply somebody who is skilled or an expert at godly living. They're pursuing it with their heart. They're not perfect. We know that. But this is valuable to them, and they want to be really, really good at living for Jesus Christ, living like Jesus, as Pastor Elisha said last week. A couple of people gave me this quote from Derek Kidner, uh, one of the uh, Old Testament um, commentators from his book said this about what Proverbs is about. 
It said this. Proverbs is function in Scripture is for us to move into godliness with working clothes. I thought that was a really, really good definition of what Proverbs is about. To help us move into godliness through putting on working clothes, active, applying what's in the book. We want to have, as Eugene Peterson many years ago said, a long obedience in the same direction. That this obedience would be a part of our lives for all of it, and that it would be in the same direction. Yes, we're going to look at verses that talk about don't swerve to the right or to the left, of course. We all know a little bit about that. But, but what would characterize our lives is this long obedience in the same direction to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to be an expert at it, at somebody who is skilled at living for the Lord. As we think about that in Proverbs chapter 6, we see that here Solomon gives us some challenges for our life, four of them that I'm going to look at today. So Proverbs chapter 6. My son, if you've put up security for your neighbor, have given your pledge for a stranger, if you're snared in the words of your mouth, caught in the words of your mouth, then do this, my son, and save yourself. For you've come into the hand of your neighbor. Go, hasten, and plead urgently with your neighbor. Give your eyes no sleep and your eyelids no slumber. Save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Section 1, now section 2. Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? Little sleep, little slumber, little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Section 3. A worthless person, a wicked man, goes about with crooked speech, winks with his eyes, signals with his feet, points with his finger, with perverted heart devise, devises evil, continually sowing discord. Therefore calamity will come upon him suddenly. In a moment he will be broken beyond healing. Section 4. There are, three, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, number two, a lying tongue, number three, hands that shed innocent blood, number four, a heart that devises wicked plans, number five, feet that make haste to run to evil, number six, a false witness who breathes out lies, and seven, one, who sows discord among his brothers. As we get into this first section, I see it as this, that Solomon is giving a, a warning about being a cosigner for debt. That's what surety is. If you've put up security for your neighbor, if you've given your pledge for a stranger, saying that you've come about this opportunity that's before you, and you've come alongside, you've co-signed on a loan, you've become part of a loan, I'm going to broaden it out and take it just to debt itself. Because we can understand that as we've all been a part of what it means in our society. About debt. And he's saying in this passage, debt, co-signing, is a dangerous obligation to put yourself in. Let me ask you this question. Have any of you ever co-signed for a loan? Have any of you better, anybody ever been shafted by doing that? <laughs> Somebody didn't pay, they didn't come through, 
they didn't follow the laws, the rules, the regulations that maybe you set up on that. It's dangerous. And Solomon is saying, you need to be very, very careful about this. He says in verse 2, he said, you said you'd do it, but now you're rethinking it. If you're snared in the words of your mouth, caught in the words of your mouth, then do this, my son. He, he's indicating you, you signed, you, you put your name down with somebody, or you put your name down as the one you're paying back a loan, and now you're rethinking it, and you're going, ah, I don't know if I should have done this. Well, Solomon, as he says here, he says, you put yourself in bondage to that person or to that, even in our day, that agency, that lending agency. Even as I read last night, Listen to Proverbs 22.7. says this, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrow is what? Slave to the lender. One commentator says this, Though many would read this proverb as an obvious financial caution to would-be borrowers, it should also be seen and heard as a warning to enslaving lenders and those who defend them. Not just only is this something that we as borrowers should be concerned about, that we become a slave to them, but, but he's also saying to those who would lend out that money, you need to be very cautious about that because now they become a slave to you. Think about it. Think about it. Say. Now, we recognize that in Solomon's day, loans were given person to person. That's, that's how they were given. Okay, they didn't have financial institutions like we have to be able to do that. We recognize that. The little bit, the little bit, the, 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 that too, right? Easy for you to say. The Levitical law in Leviticus 25 says this. Don't lend on interest to poor Israelites. Don't lend on interest to poor Israelites. If someone was poor, the money should be given outright Here's what that verse says in Leviticus chapter 25. If your brother becomes poor and cannot maintain himself with you, you shall support him as though he was a stranger and a sojourner, and he shall live with you. Take no interest from him or profit, but get this, but fear God that your brother may live beside you. You shall not lend him money at interest, nor give him your food. Solomon's advice in verse 3 and 4 to get out of debt is a little bit difficult in our day. Notice what he says. Then do this, my son, and save yourself for you come into the hand of your neighbor. Go, hasten, and plead urgently with your neighbor. Give him, give your eyes no sleep and your eyelids no slumber. Get out of bondage, he says. Ask to be released from this agreement. Do it now. Don't wait. Don't rest before you ask. Now, now in our day, let's, let's be honest. That's going to be really hard to do if you have a loan with a lending institution. So you have a debt on your car. And you decide, you know what, I went down and bought that car last Thursday. And, um, you know, now it's, it's two weeks later. You know what, I am not feeling good. So you know what? I think I'm just going to follow Solomon's advice. I'm going to go down there. I'm going to hasten. I'm going to make sure I don't sleep on it. I'm going to go down there and ask to get out of 
you know, you know, sir, that was really a bad decision on my part. I, I shouldn't have really done that. And, you know, the, the guy is going to look at you and he's going to go, you know what? That was a bad decision on your part. And it was a bad decision on our part. How can we get out of this loan together? That's not going to happen. <laughs> that is not going to happen. You signed on. You put yourself into debt. Now you have an obligation to take and be a part of. So let's think about it for a moment. Just things that you know. Think carefully and ask important questions. Is the payment easily within my budget? Can I pay it off and not take away from my giving to the Lord? No, I've known of situations like that. Well, I can do that, but I'll just, you know, I'm just not, I can't give as much. Why would you do that? You take away and get what you want and take away from what belongs to the Lord. pay it off early with no penalty. Be wary, obviously, of the no payments for six months. Because you know what that does. That just extends it out another six months. And the fact is, most people don't save during that six months to be able to pay it off. They spend it on other things. And now they've got six more months and maybe a higher interest rate. I'm not telling you anything new unless you're maybe younger. Be very careful about that. How could maybe you could do this? Maybe you could just save your money and pay cash for it. I found out the first time I bought a car with cash, a brand new car with cash, they don't like making deals on that. I think I did get tint on the windows. That's about all I could get out of it. I said, listen, I'm coming in with $18,000 budget. You can have it today. some of you have done, and you see the beauty of that. Solomon says to us, don't let debt capture you because it's dangerous. He says in verse 5, save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the hand of the fowler. If you've been through Financial Peace University, you've seen this video, but he describes it. I'm reading through Proverbs, and I read, you know, the day according to the month. So the sixth came up, and I opened up it, dang it, and it says, If you signed surety, my son, do this. Now, surety is old English Bible talk for going into debt. So if you've gone into debt, do this. Now, if you're looking at this with my set of eyes, I'm saying this is the maker of the universe who says, if you're in debt, here's what you do. This is worth reading after the do this. Right? I want to know what he says. This is a game changer. Whatever follows is very important to someone like me. If you're in debt, here's what you do. God says. Paying attention now. 
Give no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. I got that. That's hard work. I got it, okay? And deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, a bird from the hand of the fowler. Now, truthfully, I'm no biblical scholar. I'm just a redneck guy reading the Bible. But I'm reading that. I said, deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, a bird from the hand of the fowler. No idea what that was. You give me an animal metaphor. I was so excited about to do this. And you give me an animal metaphor. Now, this is how I pray. So some of y'all need to have reverent prayers, and you think, God's not scared of me. It's okay. He can just talk to me. like. And so I'm, what? Animals what? So I'm scanning the channel that night, scanning the TV channels, just bouncing around. And I land on the Discovery Channel, and God answered my prayer. He told me what it meant. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, a bird from the hand of the fowler. So I'm watching this thing, and I click, and there's the gazelles. They're out there gazelling around. And I thought, I just read about you boys. You're how we get out of that. And and you know the Discovery Channel is not there if the gazelles are there by themselves, right? You know someone else is on the scene, Mr. Cheetah. And gazelles have a little cheetah detector behind their ear. And when they see the cheetah, they're like, Cheetah! Run! Because they know the cheetah is the fastest mammal on dry land. He can run up to 82 miles an hour. He can go from zero to 67 in four leaps. This is a bad cat. There's not a gazelle on the planet that can outrun a cheetah. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter. How do you get out of debt? You run like your life depends on it. See, look what he did. He picked out a college student. Come here, kid. Come here, kid. You need to get a credit card. You need to build up your FICO score, kid. Come here, kid. I'll give you a T-shirt. Sign up, kid. This happened to you on college. Right? How you get out of debt? You gotta run like your life depends on it. The only shot you can wander into debt, you can't wander out. The only way you get out is you run like you gotta go crazy. You gotta lose your mind. You gotta run like death is on your heels, cause it is. It's the only way you get away. They scurry fast. They carry heavy loads. 
They seem to always be moving, except when they stop for a moment to bite you. <laughs> and they prepare for the hard times. Maybe you saw the NBC email that came out. You saw what the name of the sermon was. Have you ever seen a lazy ant? thought I might be able to get your attention a little bit there. You have to read the email and write it. And there really are kids' books that are titled that, trying to teach a kid to be industrious, to work hard, to make good sense with their life. It seems to me that an ant does not seem to have a lazy bone in them. Except I came across this article this week. Here's what it said. Everyone knows what ants are about. There are no-nonsense little guys. It's a fun article. They work all summer, holidays are for the week, to save up for winter. They sleep when they're dead. <laughs> they soldier on, sometimes lifting up to 5,000 times their weight. All for the good of collecting. Out of instinct, they can resemble duty and honor and obligation. They don't mess around. Except it seems. Some do. But maybe for a good reason. In 2015, biologists at the University of Arizona observed that a, quite a number of so-called worker, quote, worker ants, unquote, spend most of their time, well, not working. They really just sit there, Daniel Charbonneau, a researcher at the university, said in a statement. They might chip in with chores, you know, like grooming or family care from time to time. But for most of the time, they're studious about doing nothing. In the lab, Charbonneau found about 40% of the six-legged subjects were industriously inactive. <laughs> Somehow, Charbonneau and his two fellow researchers were able to ascertain which 20% of ants in the colony were the hardest working. Then they removed them. Once the cream had been skimmed off the top, the, quote, lazy, unquote, up their activity level to match that of their missing comrades. Charbonneau says this suggests that the colony responds to the loss of highly active workers by replacing them with inactive ones. By contrast, if the least active 20% got plucked out, they aren't replaced. So their conclusion, those lazy ants aren't really good for nothing, they're good for backup. <laughs> so... I don't know. You can go study the ant pile out in your yard, and you can go see and see which ones are the lazy ones. I don't know how they determine this. What a job to have to watch ants all the time, right? Just a little bit of fun to know that. But we know them as industrious, hardworking, and moving quite fast. And so Solomon's point, obviously, in this passage is this. Be a hard worker, not a lazy slacker. Be a hard worker, not a lazy slacker, whatever you do. Now, he's not saying we shouldn't rest. He says that, you know, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty come upon you. He's not saying that we shouldn't rest. He's just saying this. Get your rest, but don't rest from what you need to do. We need rest. It's an important part of our life. But he says, and when you need to do something, don't be in the resting stage about that. I hope that you have made some preparation for the hard times, for the winter. You know, it, it might just be possible that kind of upon us in our country right now. You might have noticed this. Uh, gas has gone up, what, 60 cents in the last uh, three minutes? Something like that. You think about that. You know, you fill up a 20-gallon tank, 60 cents more, that's $6, that's $12 more to fill up that tank. You've probably felt that pain. 
filled up over the past week or so. Our gas bill at the church went up about 80% for the last month. Now, it was cold. We know that. It was very cold during that time. But the fact is, it's gone up too to a rising gas. A dozen eggs cost now as much as the chicken did to deliver those eggs. <laughs> you know that struggle. A number of you went through the wills and trusts to state seminar plan. And I only know a few that have completed that path. May I encourage you, get that done. Be like the ant. Get that will done. You need it. Your family needs it. Direction so that they know how to take care of the things that you're passing on to them. I encourage you to still pursue that. So what's the winter? What's the hard thing that you're preparing for? What's the task you're procrastinating doing? What do you need to do? Well, you just need to do the Mikey thing, the Nike thing. Just do it. Tomorrow. <laughs> I saw that just me. Yeah, they got it. We know that well, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, I'll do it, but tomorrow. I think that Solomon would say this. Laziness is lamentable. Lazy says lamentable. Lamentable means this. Disappointingly bad. Dead is dangerous. But laziness is lamentable. It's disappointingly bad. Not getting done what we need to get done. And Solomon says you need to do those things. This is really important. Be like the ant and get it see, working hard is not just a, a matter of wisdom. It's also a matter of worship. As we work hard, as we honor the Lord in our work, and the things that we need to do, we, we bring worship to Him because all of life is worship to Him. Colossians chapter 3. Whatever you do, work heartily. As for the Lord and not men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Solomon would say to us, work hard. I give you a practical illustration. I've got an animal in the first section. Dead is dangerous. I've got an animal now in this section. The ant, work hard. And honor the Lord. Section number three. Section Satan. Solomon identifies characteristics of a deceitful individual, a worthless guy or gal, a wicked man or woman, not a wise guy or gal. Look at what he puts together here for us. A worthless person, a wicked man, first goes about with crooked speech. It's like he's saying to somebody, hey you, have you heard this? This is really Jesus. This is really real Jesus. This worthless person winks with his eyes I put it this way. Hey, you, I've got something you need to know. That's what that indicates. That eye saying, hey, you know, listen to me. This is something you need to know. He signals with his feet. Hey, you, follow me to some fun. Let's put ourselves in a, an unwise position. He points with his finger. Hey, you, are you with me? Are you coming with me? He has a perverted art that devises evil. Hey, you, I've got this incredible plan. I got this incredible plan. It's foolproof. And he continually 
sowing discord. Hey, you, let's cause some trouble. You with me? You in? Come on, join with me. The result? Hey, you, here's what you can look forward to from the Lord. Calamity will come upon him suddenly, as it says in verse 15. And in a moment, he will be broken beyond healing. Here's how I put it. Deceitfulness is despicable. Deceitfulness is despicable. Fully deserving of contempt or dislike. It shouldn't be pursued. We shouldn't have any issue with that. Stay away from deceitfulness, Solomon said. Debt is dangerous. Laziness is no matter. hates what the Lord hates. A, a wise guy loves what the Lord loves. And As I was looking at this passage and noticing and studying it, I noticed that verses 12 through 15, the things that he mentions, the actions that he mentioned, are almost the same things that are in 16 through 19. Haughty eyes. The worthless person winks with his eyes. You've got a lying tongue. about with crooked speech. Hands that shed innocent blood. You've got the signaling with his finger. You've got the heart that devises plans in verse 18. You've got the perverted heart in verse 14. You've got feet that make haste to run. You've got that in verse 13. You've got it in verse 18. A false witness who breathes out lies. Again, the lying tongue. And one who sows discord among his brothers. It's the same thing that's up here in verse 14. Almost like he's repeating himself. As a matter of fact, as I was listening and going through chapters 1 through 22 to catch up last night and looking at it, I was like, I saw many of these same things in those passages. Three or four times, devious things like that. It was kind of interesting, these themes that were going through the book of Proverbs. But 12 and 15 kind of mirrors, or 16 and 19 kind of mirror what he says in 12 through 15. Haughty eyes, proud eyes that look to satisfy say itself. Have it your way, eyes. You a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. That was the one that, as I was thinking about sanctity of life. Like, how do I talk about sanctity of life? When I read this passage, I knew the Lord had led me to this passage. That's what happened. Hand sheds innocent blood. Feet that make haste, or a heart that devises wicked plans. All those people out there thinking right now, hackers to the computer, pornographers, burglars. They're thinking through. They're going right now. They're going, I know how to come up with a way to goof people up and to get into their lives and ruin their lives. People are they're thinking about it right now. Their heart is devising evil plans. They're sowing discord. They're breathing out lies. So, in the next 15 minutes or so, let me talk about the sanctity of life. It just dawned on me, I know I shouldn't have, but 
50 years ago, today, the decision was made. Roe versus Wade. 50 years ago, today, that decision was made by our Supreme Court. But first of all, let's rejoice that the Supreme Court pulled it back. Let's rejoice in that, for the, the victory that was won. We know that didn't cut, it didn't stop everything. We know that. But at least they took a stand for what was right. We know this, that the forces of evil and deception will still fight to make abortion a legal right, a federal right. Our president has said that. This is what we're going to do. This is the way we're going. And we know in our own city, the pro-abortion movement is alive and fighting to keep abortion, which is the killing of a life, alive. I want to follow up with what Lindy shared. She did a very good job this morning. Describe how the pro-abortion movement is guilty of the things the Lord hates. And the pro-life and pregnancy centers around the USA, like ACPC here in our own city, are speaking up for what the Lord Let's talk about haughty eyes. Proud eyes that only see what they want to see. They ignore what is true and delight in the financial benefit of their services. That's the industry. That's the abortion industry. ACPC helps clients no matter their financial status and raises all its financial support from individuals, churches, and grants and does not receive government. Flying time. I read from you from the Ameri the Alliance Defending Freedom Organization for Faith and for Justice. We're a part of ADF. If something would happen to our church where we would need legal representation, um, I think we pay about $500 a month to be a part of their organization, and they would provide legal representation for us in many of the issues that are taking place. They've been people, I think they represented Jack Phillips, the cake maker. Denver area, Lakewood area, recently going to the Supreme Court, uh, a lady in Littleton has recently been to the Supreme Court in December, and uh, they represented her. But here's what they said, this is a letter in December 15th. Is there any question that we live in a culture in which fiction is proclaimed as reality, lies as truth, and evil as good? No corner of our culture so twists language more than the abortion industry. They tell us. Abortion is, quote, reproductive freedom, end quote. They tell us an unborn baby's heartbeat is just, quote, manufactured sound, end quote. They tell us a human being being crushed and torn apart is gruesome murder, unless it's inside the womb. Then it's called, quote, health care, quote. This isn't just distorted reality and manipulated language. It's barbaric. by God, alive at conception, and 
therefore, as the Declaration of Independence states, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are what? Life, liberty, happiness, and pursuit of happiness. I remind you of this. The only people fighting for the right to take the life of an unborn baby or fighting to save the life of an unborn baby are people whose mom decided to birth them. Breaks my heart. Those who would fight to take the life of a child that their mom allowed them to live. And yet they say, no, it's, it's all right. They don't need to live. Hands that shed innocent blood. Individuals at an abortion clinic take the life of a baby in the womb. They assemble the parts to make sure none are left behind. And they dispose of the torn apart baby in a container or some way. Or even, as we know, save some parts to sell them. The unborn baby cannot speak for itself, so we must speak for it. At ACPC, there are compassionate hands that want to love a mom and her baby through birth for that family or for another family who will become the precious child in that family. You know this now, but more abortions are done taking the pill now than they are in abortion clinics. Over 50% of babies are killed by a woman taking the pill right into a home. devises wicked plans. The abortion industry continues to design legislation even as Lindy said to continue their wicked plans. Planned Parenthood continues to receive millions of dollars from the federal government to finance their business and also financially support individuals who promote their wicked plans. And one of the leading givers to the lobbyists for abortion and they get reimbursed for all their, for their expenses they have some health care in there, yes, they do. They get reimbursed for that, and then they go and they give that money and they begin to, to lobby for abortion. That's where that money is coming from. You and me. It's coming from us. At ACPC, they will love you and serve you with God's mission statement. We exist to empower women and families in the greater Pueblo area with the educational, emotional, and spiritual resources they need to choose life. Feet that make haste to run to evil. They continue to walk the halls of government and schools to lobby for their brand of health care. Chaperones continue to walk women into abortion clinics. They say, we are here for you. By their actions, they say, we are here for you, but not for you. We're here for you, but not for you. At APC, APPC, we will walk with you before and after birth. We'll provide help 
false witness who breathes out lies. Now I'm going to quote things that have, have been in the paper in May. Elizabeth Warren, Democratic Senator from Massachusetts. Here's what she said. In this extraordinary moment, do everything we can to ensure that patients get the health care and reproductive services that they need. That includes protecting patients from the deceptive practices of some so-called crisis pregnancy centers. Warren accused pro-life crisis pregnancy centers of, quote, torturing, unquote, pregnant women seeking abortion information and called on the federal government to, quote, shut them down. Massachusetts, she said right now, these those crisis pregnancy centers that are there to fool people who are looking for pregnancy termination help outnumber true abortion clinics by three to one. I like that statement. <laughs> pregnancy centers outnumber the abortion centers three to one. And then she says, let's shut them down. They're being
businesses that are around us. So much we want to speak into people's lives and find people who will speak the gospel into people's lives. The, the good news of what God stands for, what he loves, and what he hates. Not only that we do it with boldness, but and also with gentleness. That we're called to be, to be respectful. So there will be tonight, as mentioned, uh, Josh Craddock, a lawyer who will speak on the constitutional case for life. He will speak with, and others will speak, Quinn Freiberg's job leading this. We'll update our current situation in Pueblo, what has happened over the past two months, where things are going, and praying for God's favor and guidance as we seek to stand for life in Pueblo. And then on 2-5, Praise Assembly will also hold another rally, a celebration rally at 6.30 p.m. And I don't know who the speakers are for that, but that's a good announcement. I know a lot there. I understand there's a lot I've shared with you, and certainly more could be shared. So, as Lindy said, I think